Welcome to the LEA podcast. This is Scott. To my left over here is uh, the illustrious Jason. What's up? Got the wild man who's still asleep, Richard Eaton. We got a couple of guests today. <laughs> He's flipping me off. Let's you go for now. Um, got a couple of guests today, actually, to, to kind of commemorate and talk about Memorial Day a little bit. It's coming up next week. Yep. So we'll uh, get into some good stuff with these guys. And I'm just going to point out now, real quick, that Jason and our guest Marco are drinking beer at 8 a.m. Can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Nectar of the gods. <sighs> I don't get that. The I mean, title's near coffee stout. Yeah, I mean, the title says milk. So that's <laughs> what I have for breakfast. I don't it's obviously healthy. He needs yeah. the milk. Healthy. Healthy, healthy. What, what kind of cereal would go good with this? Oh, nothing. Cocoa Pebbles? I, I, uh, I, something chocolatey. I, I think the earliest I've ever drank beer is literally 12 noon. Somewhere. Whatever. I swear to God. No way. My stomach would like go into convulsions that early in the morning. Dude, what school did you go to? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not kidding. I can't do it. Have you ever drank past midnight? Well, yeah. So the earliest you've ever drank beer is like one o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, we all know he drank past midnight. Well, I did did (laughs) one weeks ago. That's actually why I don't drink any. I have not drank since that day. You might not not be drinking beer, but we really... Nobody really knows what's in his coffee. I'm never yeah, drinking again. <laughs> oh, here if I had a nickel for every time I said I'm never drinking again. No kidding. I'd have about a dollar. So anyways, no, we've got uh, a couple of guests here, local guys, that, um, archery guys, of course. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, of course. And both of them in the service. we got Marco Aliris. Marco, you were Marines? Yes. And uh, also Roger Koss, and you were... Air Force? Army. Oh, Army. My bad. Ooh, those are fighting words. My bad. I forgot. Jason's going to have to hit you in the hip. That's why I'm sitting here. Yeah. Um, and his name's Roger Koss. Roger is, uh, works for me, actually, here at the shop and does a lot of stuff with the Wounded Warrior Veterans Community, so on and so forth. And we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of that later. Um, because, yeah, Roger's got some great stuff to share with everybody. Um, yeah, kind of a unique, uh, talk today yeah i mean we're touching up on all the archery stuff that we normally touch up on yeah and then also just to let everybody know i know we kind of started this thing as a as a tech tip or to talk about professional archery especially uh, i'm not sitting there to my right <laughs> um and we're going to get back into that uh but we wanted to do something we thought different for memorial day because this will be released about that same week that we're doing it and then we're going to close out that week with a Pretty good shoot here locally. Local shoot. It's going to be doing a lot with uh, the vets and the Memorial Day theme, I guess you can call it. Um, anyways, let's uh, get right into it. I guess we can talk with uh, Marco. Why don't you talk a little bit about you, your story, you know, where you came from, how you got into the service. Then we'll kind of go down that road of <laughs> the, the whole archery gig. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. So I guess here's a big question. Why'd you go to the Marines? that's a tough one it's a loaded question lord Uh, here we go well uh, you know honestly went through school yeah didn't like it okay not a book barely graduated high school yeah all right barely graduated high school you know tried college yeah i think i showed up for like two classes something (laughs) like that (laughs) and it it was like this this ain't it is it just not enough crayons or (laughs) you know 
that probably would have helped. Yeah. Not going to lie. Yeah. So a buddy of mine, a real close friend of mine, he, um, one day he's like, you know, I think, I think I'm going to go talk to a Marine recruiter and join the service, like out of the blue. And I, I was sitting there and I, with him and, you know, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go with you. So probably every recruiter's dream. Yeah. You know, two, two young 17, 17 year old kid, 18 year old kids, you know, just walk in there. Um, I guess backing up, you know, as a child, you know, you look at, you look at the military and what everybody thinks about is dudes pulling triggers. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you always fantasize like what that would be like Yeah, as, as a child, but you never, I never really took much stock into it. Like, you know, I could never do that. That's, 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 you know, that's, that's above me. You know, that, that's the way I looked at it. Um, those are special individuals that I just didn't have that. Yeah. Um, but I think at this time, you know, I was looking for something, um, I was looking for something to that, you know, maybe, maybe I could do this. Um, and when I walked in there, you know, the, the recruiter showed me uh, a bunch of, uh, different jobs that you could do, you know, after I did my testing, right. Initial testing. It's like, Hey, you know, you can pick from, you know, 90, 99% of these job applications. I'm like, okay, cool. And, and, and I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know when I went into the Marine Corps recruit, I didn't know that there was other things other than just the infantry. Right. You know, cause I know what the infantry is. Right. I don't know anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, and I looked at the list and I'm like, nah, that's, that's no, no, that's lame. Hey man, I just want to go be, you know, infantry, whatever that is at yeah. the time. And he's like, Okay. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, dad wasn't too happy about that, but, uh, you know, you know I, I think, think, and I think your story happens a lot because I know my son did that. He, it was kind of like just happenstance. He just went there. Right. You know? I, I mean, how many guys I think in the service go and plan it? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go graduate high school. I'm, as soon as I get out of high school, I'm going straight to the recruiting office. I'm going to get, I know that there's a, what, a ROTC program, ROTC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never. You know, some guys do. Yeah. I looked at that in high school when I saw the yeah. I'm like, it was a bunch of nerds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I never even knew about it until I was already like yeah. three or four years well, into a contract. And I forgot we got Jason too. You're ex service guy. Yeah. So we'll talk about your story also later. Air Force. That's, but I think that happens a lot. Like you said, it just kind of went there. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it definitely does. Um, it definitely does. There are, there are individuals who, who absolutely go grow up and they're like, I'm going to do a yeah. Marine. And yeah. you know, I'm going to speak on that. Cause that's what I know. Um, and all I know is just I, as an instructor at one point in my career, um, talk to a lot of students and there are some, they're like, yep, I knew I was going to be a Marine. A lot of them, especially during a certain time of the year, you get those guys that are usually older because they tried the college thing. They tried life. You know, my first roommate was 28 years old and I was 18. He was 28? 28. Wow. Yes. You know, we were both privates in our first unit. Um, but I, I, I think it was, just, you know, it was just meant to be. Yeah. Um, I went in, did the whole boot camp thing. Um, not what I expected at all. Um, not full metal jacket. <laughs> you, you know, I didn't really know a whole lot about the military, honestly, before I went in. Right. Um, there are, there are guys out there who they know X, Y, and Z from start to finish, how their schooling is going to be, what to expect. I right. was, I was not that guy. Right. 
Okay. So all this was new to me. Um, but I enjoyed it because there, there was a part of it that I really gravitate to, you know, being in a room with a bunch of young male uh, men um, at the time. It, it, it's it just, there's a come, there's like a camaraderie. Yeah. Like a team, a team, you know, yeah. and I grew up playing team sports. Right. And I think that had a lot to do with going in there and feeling a little bit more comfortable about that, but right. I was definitely out of my element. Okay. I was definitely out of my element. It was all new to me. I was smaller than most of the people around me. Um, one of my instructors was, you know, he was, he was an O three eleven by trade, which is a rifleman in the Marine Corps. And I just, he would just hound us all the time. I remember. And he, he would just tell us like, it's only going to get hard. And he would <laughs> specifically single us out versus the rest of the students. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, Holly, I can barely keep up right now. As, I mean, you know, so go through that phase, you go through the school of infantry next. And that is a major. I, it yeah. was, I did things there that honestly, I didn't think I was going to be able to make. Right. You know, it's funny you say that. I've always, since my son did the same thing, kind of similar. I think he did it because he loved the video games. He was a Call of Duty freak. Mm -hmm. You know, I always told him, hey, look, you don't get to respawn if in the, in the, yeah, real, in the real world. No it's, yeah, exactly. Red versus blue. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, but you know, he, he, he came out a different person um, going into basic and then getting out. Mm -hmm. And I was so shocked as a parent. I, I'm still of the stance that, if it was my country to run, you'd get out of school and go straight to basic training just to teach you how to be a dude, how to be a guy. The two year mandatory thing like most yeah, countries. Something. Yeah. Like, I mean, seriously, cause I, it changed him for the better. Well, it I provides mean, a general discipline that a lot of parents aren't providing today. Exactly. Period. Oh yeah. We do you not want to go down time, that rabbit hole. Go eat, go accomplish A, B and C. Yeah. Go to bed. Yeah. Shut up. So Roger, why don't you talk about your story real quick, how you got in, what happened? Uh, I did not know what I was going to do. I didn't, I couldn't see past where I was fishing this weekend. Yeah. You know? So being in high school, I lived in Portland, Texas. I lived right across from the bay. So if they couldn't find me, I was you were, fishing. You were fishing. Oh yeah. So I, I couldn't see past what was going on next weekend. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't think about, oh, I'm going to apply for college. I'm going to do this or that. Okay. Let's go talk to a recruiter. You know, Air Force didn't work out. Talk to it's Staff Sergeant Pedrosa. That was the guy in Corpus Christi. And he was like, hey, let's do this. So I went in, started talking. Like Marco was saying, here are all the different jobs you can do. Look at this. Apache helicopter repair. Those, you know, I, I I think I'd seen that movie Firebirds. <laughs> Nicholas Cage, I am the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. But no, aircraft was cool. It's like, yeah, let's go do that. I just knew I did not want to stay in in the coastal bend. I did not want to get locked down into, you know, working at Denny's. Right. You know, doing a menial job. I just knew that it was gonna do it's like we were talking about the discipline. It was gonna provide me something that the coastal bend wasn't gonna provide. Right. So. Jason, how about you? How'd you get in? Mine was uh, probably around the same thing. I mean, I'm I'm from the valley. There's not a whole lot to do down there. Yeah. Uh, people say that we're there different. Is now. There's a lot to do. Oh now. yeah, especially with SpaceX and all that stuff going on. <laughs> right. Um, but no, at, at the at the time, I mean, I I graduated high school in 2001. But right before I graduated, there was really nothing in my future. 
And mine was just walking down the hallway one day and a Marine recruiter got a hold of me and started talking to him. And I think my cousin was kind of interested in the Marines, but for some reason he'd always run away from them. Um, so I was just like, hey, you know what, screw it, I'll go talk to him. So I went, tested, did my practice test with him. I scored really well. And I really was always attracted to aviation. Right. I, I loved helicopters, airplanes, stuff like that. And I remember talking to the, to the recruiter and I said, dude, I want to do something in the aviation field. And he's like, yeah, but with your scores, you'd be a great infantry leader. It's like, no, I want to do something with the, uh, with the, with helicopters flying. It's like, no, I think infantry is going to be your place to go. Never called him back. Really? And one day we were in computer class, the, the army guys showed up and they were doing a little presentation outside in the parking lot, went out there and talked to him. And the guy said something that, that just caught my attention. He said helicopter mechanics, but I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. I didn't think it was like grease monkeys mechanics. I thought it was mechanics on, on R and D development and how helicopters work and all that stuff. I was like, hell yeah, man, I'm going to go work with these guys and develop the next Airwolf or something. Yeah. Yeah. About six months later, I was at a, at MEPS here in San Antonio enlisting and they're like, yeah, you're going to be a 67 uniform, which was a, a Chinook helicopter mechanic. First time I ever saw Chinook was on a poster on the wall. Yeah. And, you know, I, I joined, went to, went to basic training in August of 2001, turned 18 in basic and like three weeks later, 9-11 happened. Yeah. So I knew from that point that, you know, I wanted to join just to get away from home. Yeah. But now my whole life took a, took a big turn and that, that patriotism, that, that whole, you know, I've got to defend my country. I'm, I'm here for for a greater good and for a bigger purpose. Yep. Um, it just ignited fire in me and I was, I was hooked. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Our basic was a little bit different than Marco's though. Um, yours was. So mar- Marines are tougher as far as basic goes than the Army. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had females in, in my basic. Uh, I well, mean, uh, it's, it's longer. Yeah. I mean, you guys do what? 13 weeks. I think so. Something like that. We did three months. I, I know that we showed up and we had like two weeks of reception where you get your uniforms issued, you go and get all your shots, you know, they put you through the line, through that gauntlet. And I'm sure Roger remembers the like See, cattle with the, the vaccine guns. It's amazing how much uh, yeah. times will change. I, Cause I went in and in 93. So I know it was when Jason went in, it was a whole lot, I guess more lax. And right. then I know today it's we like, had computers. Here you go, son. Here's your <laughs> coffee. Uh, make sure you button your everything. Well, there's there's drill sergeants and and soldiers making TikTok videos and and basic training. <laughs> like we uh, had to get in line to use a payphone once a month, uh, or once that. every cycle. Yeah, and we only had like ten minutes to use well, a payphone. That, that's because in 2001, the only cell phone you had, you had to carry in a <laughs> backpack. <laughs> that, come hilarious. on, man. There's no no Kias. With with the snake game, don't hate. Yeah, snake game's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I remember that. <laughs> High score, waste a lot of hours. Of that. You know, so, <laughs> so question: Did you guys all three see action in over overseas? Uh, I'm sure he saw. I know Marco, you did. Yeah, but it it depends. Um, there were some guys that went out or they did support role jobs. Like, me. well, my, my I guess let me rephrase that: You guys were overseas. Definitely. Yeah. 
Because yeah. I know what's crazy. My son, for example, has been in for, I don't know, six or seven years now. And his, one of his life goals is to go do his job. He always complains about the fact that he's getting frustrated because he's, he never has been overseas to do his job. He calls it. And I keep, as a father, I'm like, Hey, that's a good thing. You know, it scares me because I don't think he has put the and Marco, severity probably, of it. Yeah. And I think Marco probably can talk about, it. I don't know, cause I know you've seen the live action stuff and I don't think he has dealt with that in his own mind. He just thinks of call of duty. You know? Yeah. You know, it, there's a cycle that goes on. Like when you, when you enlist, there's, there's all these, there's all these phases. Yeah. Okay. And for me, when at least up my first deployment or coming back from my first deployment, it seems like that deployment is essentially the culminating event right. of all these cycles that you do all this work for this, this one moment, and that one moment, my last seven months. I'm at one moment my last in the army. I know you guys do pretty long deployments, um, you know, and to come back from that alive yeah, and with, with your, with your buddies, you know, alive and, and unharmed is right. obviously the goal. Right. You know, and once you do that, you're like, wow, I, this happened and everybody's experience is different. Right. Um, so, I mean, I totally understand what uh, your son is talking about. Yeah. You know, you do all this work and it's almost like if you, if you don't do your job, which, which you're, you know, in a combative nature, because I mean, let's be honest, that's what the military is for. Yeah. Right. Combat. Right. Okay. And if you don't ever do that, it might, it might, I could, I could easily see how I could feel a little, you could feel a little, um, Jaded, or yeah. I don't know if that's the right word to use. Oh, he just slighted. He 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 just feels like he's never. What, done what his year job. did he go in? I don't know. It's about six or seven years ago now. So oh, okay, so things have definitely definitely Cal- scaled down. descaled. Yeah, back, you know when I joined the military, is again back in '93. What was really going on? That pretty much Bogadishu. Yeah, yeah, that was '93. Yeah, '90. 94, 95. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even then that was a select set of skill set of people that went and did that. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just, everything is go down. So people, I guess people don't know what to expect when they're thrown into the mix where you have to go. Right. Um, at, again, it just, it's different. You, you get the, the support guys like Marco, he was on the ground. Me, I was a support guy, either as an Apache guy or a, a UAV guy. Um, you'll get the people who get to not get to, but leave the operating base to go support whatever they're doing. And you'll get some guys that never leave the fob. Right. Um, but yeah, there's you know, some, there's some, there's some terms for that, but yeah. yeah we, I mean, <laughs> it's, and, it's different. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it. And I don't expect you guys to, I mean, we call them fobbits. That's what we call them in the army. It's, but again, it's, it's all based on, on a job. You know, for Jordan, it's it's different as an infantry, uh, as an infantryman. That's his job is to right. be in the infantry, and there's really no peacetime mission for him. Right? Um, yeah, they can go down to the border and and do security and stuff like that. Versus, for myself as a uh, uh, a helicopter crew member here in the states, I got to do a lot of cool stuff. You know, when Hurricane Katrina hit, we did all the relief and, and humanitarian mission down there. Right. Um, but Roger in the aviation community that you were in Apache guys, you know, your whole job is to go kill the bad guys. 
Oh, definitely. And yeah, but it's the pilots that get to go. Exactly. You know, as a, as a mechanic, our biggest thrill was watching our, our six or eight aircraft take off in formation to go do a mission. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they all came back and then you were fixing whatever you needed to fix, whether it's bullet holes or, you know, an aircraft that just lost an, it's, lost a piece. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's so do you seriously, did you guys see helicopters come back with holes in them? Yeah. I, I had to send guys, um, my first time in Iraq, I, I sent a group of guys to go recover an OH 58 Delta that was upside down in the Tiger. It's crazy. What's so, a 58 Delta? Yeah, what's that? It's, no, it's, it's a, it's a Kiowa. It's a Kiowa. Um, uh, they're scouts. They're scouts. Yeah. yeah. Black so, you got hit. Yeah. And then yeah. It, even, even more crazy is that, you know, I had to support the guys that I sent who had to help pull the bodies out of that aircraft. Yeah. Right. You know, or, or even on a training mission, uh, being in Poland, you know, accidents happen. Aviation, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's an part inherently of it. dangerous 100% role. But, you know, when you, when you're sitting outside talking to the pilots, getting them ready for the mission and then they don't come back. Yeah. You know, it's not to say, I'm just saying it, it takes a toll on everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And Marco, you've seen it in a different light. I mean, on the front line, of course. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, you were a main, you were an operator, correct? Well, I mean, I was, I was an O, I was an O311 by trade. Yeah. Okay. Which is a rifleman. Right. Um, when you, when you see the dudes in the regular infantry kicking doors in, in gunfights, that's essentially what I, Right. I was a part of that. Group. And, right. And there's a, there are other infantrymen in support as well. And they're, 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 they're right, but they're beside you as well. Right. Um, but that's just the, the stereotypical on the outside public. Um, but yeah, you know, I was, I, I was fortunate and unfortunate at the same time in at least my first two deployments to Afghanistan. Uh, I got to do something. I got to do two operations that most infantrymen dream about um, where you, you insert into a city where that's never had American forces before. And your job is to take it from the enemy. Right. And your rules of engagements are very lax. So, uh, you know, that, you know, you get to do your job, but at the same time that, that comes at a cost. Right. As well. Right. Um, the, like we talked about earlier, there is no respawn button. Yeah. Um, people, people get hurt. People get hurt. They get hurt in ways that, uh, you know, you wish, you never wish on really anybody, right? You know, even even your enemy, even though it's necessary, on your enemy. But at least the way I look at it, I, don't, I still don't, I never you know, don't enjoy that. Right? It's not, it's not something to be glorified. Um, but it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. At the same time. Exactly. Exactly. And Jason, you've seen everything over there is on a support mechanism role, also. Yeah, I mean, um, our our job was was a little bit different. We, we did our everyday, uh, we used to call it, um, just hauling people around, hauling supplies around, but I got to do a lot of really cool. Um, I worked with a lot of Marines, the, uh, the tier one Marines, the, uh, special missions guys, the Marsoft guys, and a lot of the special operations units and, and things like that. You know, I was, I was in the, in the units that would fly the good guys to go knock down the bad guy's door. 
Um, and with us, the, the scary part is, you know, in a helicopter there, you, you just can't pull over on the side of the road. <laughs> there, there really is, there really is no, no shoulder for you to, to yeah. pull off into. And, and, and we're a big target. Yeah. And you're not going to pull like Mach three and get out of the, no, your, no, 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 real quick. No, there was, <laughs> you're there. There's a couple missions that we did that were really sketchy. You know, I used to fly, um, my, my helicopter, every time we'd go pick up the Marsoft guys, I, I always picked up the same guys and we'd load three, uh, ATVs, 27 guys and two dogs. It was every single time. That's what we did. Um, and you know, flying around the mountains, you got to deal with the, with the weather, the winds and all that stuff. You're loaded then you're coming into land and you're browned out with all the dust and all you see is a bunch of lasers pointing everywhere and you start seeing tracers going off here and there and you're like, Oh crap. And one of these hits, like now you start thinking, well, if one of them hits the aircraft, does it damage it to the point where we have to abandon the aircraft here? And then their mission turns into protecting the, the assets that are there. And then it's just, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces that go on, Yeah, but it's the biggest adrenaline rush you could possibly have. And to a point, man, it becomes addictive, I guess. Um, I don't know if you experienced it too, Marco, but I wanted to be on every single one of those missions. I didn't want to go in and haul around yeah. a three or four star general. If I've, Yeah, absolutely. No, nobody wants to sit around and be the guy who's not helping. Yeah. yeah. I want to go you do know, my you job. Want, you want to, you want to be involved. You want to, you want to go back to the point we're talking about. You want to go do what you trained essentially to do. signed up to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Which is, I, I believe is tough on the families too. Cause you know, every once in a while you talk to your, your family back home and you try to explain the best you can of what you're doing. And they're like, why are you physically volunteering yourself to go do that? Yeah. Why don't you go? Well, to, Cause they want you to be safe. Yeah. They, yeah. they want you to be safe, but yeah. At, at some point it, it, it became more of a check-in. This is day. Hey, everything's going great. Yeah. It, the, the less information you gave, the, the better. better it's going to be on them because they don't have to worry as much. Right. Um, in a support role. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm by no means a door kicker, but when we went in the first time, it was sandbag your Humvees, try and up armor your, your vehicle to the best of your capability because there were, there were no up armored Humvees. Um, so you guys were fabricating your own. Oh, armor. So it's funny. Um, a three quarter inch piece of plywood, a half inch sheet of aluminum and a three quarter inch piece of plywood will stop an AK-47 round. Really? Oh yeah. You're talking about the invasion. Oh yeah. Back in yeah, 03. Hanging sandbags off, so, off your Humvee. Off your Humvee. Yeah. And yeah. really, even a, even a support so, guy. So you're telling me that like you guys were, and I don't want to, I'm not bashing on the government. Jerry you guys, you guys were inadequately prepared. Well, going in, but it was a, it, it's, we were adapting to the current fight, uh, yeah. right? Because you never, IEDs, yeah, they would put in Vietnam and you know, landmines. That, that was part of it. Right. Or anti-tank mines. That was right. part of it. But, you know, hiding a, 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 a kid's toy to blow up was, that, that's, that was different. Right. It's completely different. Right. So we yeah. didn't know what fight we were coming into because the enemy had adapted their fighting style. So we had to, Adapt right. defensive style. So you were actually putting plyboard and metal on the oh, side of a Humvee. And my gun truck was, I took a, an Iraqi aircraft jack. And then I, I was in an aviation intermediate maintenance 
unit. Yeah. So we had access to all the tools. So we fabricated a mount to sit on an Iraqi aircraft jack to put a, a 50 cal. <laughs> and then we put that in the back of our Humvee. So that was our gun truck. Right. So that wasn't standard operating issue equipment. No. Oh, no. You made no, we were no, we very were reactive force back then. That's yeah. wild. That's crazy. Because, I mean, we had the buildup in Afghanistan. And I remember sitting, I was sitting in the, uh, the laundry tent. So back in 2002 in Afghanistan, there was absolutely nothing. There's just dirt, a bunch of tents that kept on catching fire because they thought that coating them with kerosene would weatherproof them. But then we'd have Joe's that would sit there and smoke next to him. So I can't tell you how many times our gym burned down in Kandahar. Um, I'm sure it being 140 degrees outside. Didn't, it didn't help. Didn't help that no, at no, all. No, no, no. I mean, Afghanistan, dude, so is, Afghanistan is back hot? then was, is that it is as hot as they say? I like oppressive. Yes. I, I, I mean, Iraq, desert, I think was, <laughs> Iraq was the hottest that I, in my opinion, I mean, I saw, our temperature gauge on the aircraft read 160 degrees one Holy one time crap. out in the flight line. So going into Iraq, I was maybe 145. At one point with my belt cinched, I could still just drop child without doing anything. <laughs> really? I mean, oh, you I get was, skinny I was quick. skinnier than um, Adam. And I was skinnier than Adam. And he's tall. Yeah. But imagine as short as I am being that skinny. Yeah, I was a real. Yeah. That's crazy. That was not me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I didn't lose any weight. Yeah. But th that's interesting, though, that you guys would have to fabricate your own stuff. Oh, man. So. The the fabrication of equipment. Um, it's crazy. The, the commodities that, that you think that you might have or not. Like 2002, again, in, in Bagram, there was nothing there. We lived in this in this little tent subdivision called Viper City because there was a ton of vipers around. Snakes? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And... and scorpions camel spiders all that good stuff all the stuff that you want to wake up to no negative um, ghostwriter but you know we'd walk across this open field to these showers that was this uh steel pipe with like four or five shower heads and we'd have to stand on pallets because there was puddles of water you know everybody's shower water you do not want to be standing on that um <laughs> there was a there's that open field and it, it started raining one time Rain for about three days. We're coming back from work one day and they're like, hey, you guys can't go through that field anymore. I'm like, why? I said, well, the uh, explosive ordinance guys are out there clearing all the landmines that surfaced once the, the ground got soft. You're kidding. Well, we were walking across a minefield for, for about three weeks and we didn't even notice um, all the all the Russian stuff that they left from the from uh, back in the day, the Afghan war. Yeah. Yeah. So the fabrication of tools, the fabrication of protective measures on the on the vehicles. Um, we didn't have a lot of roads in Afghanistan at first. And I know that when the invasion happened in 2003, these guys were, were dealing with a completely different enemy that was putting bombs and MRE, uh, wrappers, stuff like that. They knew that one of the big things that the American army does or the American forces is we like to keep things clean. So they'll make people pick up trash. So now we we're going to hide explosives and trash yeah. and just, how do you react to that? It it's challenging. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Finding something that's in the ground that's not living is it's not easy. Yeah, you know, you talk about fabrication. You know, by the time I got overseas, um, it was two thousand eight. Okay, so I was seeing a much more evolved um, military as far as the com combating IEDs. 
Um, so vehicles were definitely had advanced big time, which saved a lot of lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so th- thank God for that. Um, but you know, the enemies, they're, they're tricky. Um, I remember my first deployment, you know, you could run around and where I was at, you didn't have to worry about stepping on a, on a thing. Uh, I remember going back there next year and flew into this fob real quick. Um, and I just see a row of vehicles just destroyed. And, you know, that's a, that's an eye opener. You see it for the first time. Yeah. Like, this is something that I have didn't see the first time. And now I'm seeing it, the remnants of what happened before me and something I'm now going to have to deal with moving forward. Yeah. Um, which, um, it's definitely challenging. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, it's opening. Yeah. Like you said, yes. enemies are, enemies were advancing. Their tactics were advancing. They noticed that, you know, their, their, their vehicles are getting, are getting smashed and they're not, they're not taking out as many people. But then they realized that, oh, these helicopters are carrying more people. So they would do pressure plate activated IEDs mm-hmm. with, um, they would tie like a little parachute to it. So whenever you land, that road wash picks up the parachute. Picks it up. And blows yeah. it up and yeah. you're done right there. You're done. It's amazing. They're smart. They have adapted to defeat our, our technology, our, our technology, our strategies. Yeah. Just, it's, it's. I blame it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> they, they started getting google and stuff out there yeah going back to call of duty uh one of my my last job in the army was a uav platoon leader so we would we would fly over certain areas at night and we would watch guys with picks and axes go at it trying you know digging it at, for a spot to put an ied yeah and, you know that's uh that's hostile intent yeah all right so we called the attack helicopters and it was whack-a-mole. You see it, identify it, get clearance fires and send in a helicopter to blow them up. Yeah. That was Call of Duty all day. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, those are the videos that you find online. It's Talk about by the, the black and white videos. Yeah. Job satisfaction. <laughs> oh, yeah. Three little white dots and all of a sudden <laughs> but you know, you know, just, because <laughs> the crazy thing when when you're doing convoy convoy support and you're watching these guys, you know, uh, it's one thing to catch a bad guy and boom up and everybody's, yeah, we got another one. Yeah. And then it's another thing to watch the combo get, go down the road and all of a sudden you see the the, run, the right front tire just blow off right. because he just ran over an IED. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Catching catching the act before it actually. Preventive maintenance, I like to call it. Exactly. <laughs> and it's funny because the three of us here, our jobs were all intertwined. You know, Definitely. I would fly Marco's team out to do something. But while I was doing that, I would depend on when, when you're an Apache guy, Apache guys. And, and so there's, there's a big rift in, in stateside between them and our community because we always pick on them because they don't get to fly on the aircraft. So they just get yeah. to see the pilots break it. And then they have to, we call them the, the, the runner upper guys, you right, know, kind of right. put the, put the little rip cord and start the helicopter and <laughs> salute them and say goodbye. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but, it's all good to the need fire support. Exactly. When we're, <laughs> when we're down range, you know, we, we depend on these guys to keep us safe. Right. Whether it's Apaches or UAVs, you know, they go out and do the, the recon before we even touch down. Right. So. And then you are riding in them sometimes. Yeah. yeah the, the, the troop transport uh, helicopters, uh, that's 
Yes. I, I, I think I maybe stepped foot in a wheeled vehicle one time. Really? In country. So you spend a lot of time in the air. Yes. Wow. Yes. It's uh, faster. Getting inserted via Hilo. I would much rather that. Really? No IEDs in the air. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, that's true. Um, you know, you go in at nighttime. Right. So it makes it much harder on the enemy to take their AA gun and point it at you. Although I have seen that. Yeah. At night, you know, it's, it's, um, it's crazy when you're going somewhere and you get a call and they're like, Hey, we got a dishka. Yeah. Sitting over here. Yeah. Well, no, I, I'm not talking about just a dishka. I'm talking about an AA gun. Yeah. You or, know, or you, you get a radar lock yeah. while you're inbound and, but you know, cl- uh, Helicopters, man, I I love them. I love anything that can drop a bomb or shoot something from the sky. It's cool. I got so spoiled in 08 <laughs> watching Cobras and followed up by Hueys come in and just followed up by artillery, followed up by fixed wing yeah. um, aircraft. It, you know, it, it's a sound that you will never forget. Yeah. Did you ever spend any time in Kandahar? I did. So when I first got there in 08, uh, we spent some time to get a, you know, your acclimation, um, get, a, get used to the, yeah. the, to the, where you're located now, t- t- mainly temperature, honestly. It's like get used to sweating your balls off all yeah, day. You know, <laughs> yeah, really. Was, uh, <laughs> but you know, you spend time there and you get used when to you it. don't have AC, your body gets used to it. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, obviously, it's nowhere near what you guys dealt with. But, but like, we are in when, Texas. Well, a being down here, but b like when I'd go traveling to World Cups and stuff. Yeah. I remember going to Turkey, and it's 110 degrees outside. It's 95 percent humidity. Exactly. And it's like the first three days, all I'm doing is laying in bed and sweat my balls off, <laughs> trying to like get used to well, it before I can get it. Do they? I mean. They, they do, but, but I wouldn't call it AC, gotcha. like <laughs> moving air. That's there's a there's a fan that turns on with numbers on a lit up screen on the wall, but it doesn't really do anything. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like the first two or three days, the whole time I'm just sitting there laying down in my bed, trying, you know, trying not to try not to melt, dehydrate, and sweat all, the whole time. Yeah, man, so hydrations, hey, yeah, man, you got used to it after that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a couple. I mean, you obviously, it's not 150 degrees it. outside in right. the middle of the desert, but I mean. Over time, you get used to it. I mean, definitely Kandahar was was hotter, but the one thing we were blessed with was there was pallets of water everywhere. So you can just grab water. Some of them weren't fridges. Some of them Mm. weren't. Well, Um, I don't know about the fridge thing, but yeah. Yeah. When they're sitting in the sun, say 110 degree water, I wouldn't want to. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) but you learn tricks to cool them down. Oh, 100%. (laughs) But there was unique tricks you learned. That improvised thing. Yes. Yeah. There's one thing that I saw in Kandahar, though, we were talking about support and everything and, and how, how you get firepower to the enemy. And it, it's one image that sticks in my head. We were, uh, we're at the, at the aircraft ramp, which was called Mustang ramp. And you, they had a small gym there. We got done working out. We're outside smoking some cigars at night. And all of a sudden they had these multi-launching, uh, rocket systems and they just lit up and, it was like the biggest 4th of July celebration you could possibly think of. I mean, it gets your heart going and yeah. all that, that freedom patriotic rage just came over like, hell yeah, someone's day's about to get ruined. Yeah. They launched like, I don't know, 50, 60 rockets at someone. So it's you guys and you, Roger and Jason, you guys kind of seen conflict from afar, if you want to call it, not. And I know you guys were involved, mm-hmm. but like Marco, I'm going to go there and ask a pretty tough question. If you don't answer, you don't have to. 
I mean, you on the front line side of it, kicking in the doors and stuff. I mean, and I've known you now for two or three years, four years now. Um, and you seem to, there are some guys that get screwed up by that. And when they go in and take a life front line, you know, kicking the door in, you know, is that tough for you to, to qualify in your own head or you just look at it as a job? You know, I've heard some guys, I've talked to some guys about it and they've said, yeah, you have to just look at it. This is my job. And, and they kind of put it in the file cabinet that way. And it, it's how they can deal with it, you know? And then I know it messes up some guys big time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I'm trying to figure out how to answer. This <laughs> well, I, to- I, I totally get it. Um, it. I think it's different for everyone. Yeah. Um, I think it depends on your values, right? Your moral values. Gotcha. Um, I think that that plays a big role. I think it depends on how you look at people. Right. Um, you know, there, there are individuals that I have forgotten about that, uh, you know, that, that only get brought up when I'm talking with, situations but doesn't you know and then there's other times where other people stand out more so than others right um you know you know and it's um i think it just as long as you know you're not doing anything wrong yeah like think about think about it like is this the right thing or is this the wrong thing if if you're asking that question and and it's like uh, i don't know um and People, you know, people have gotten in trouble for doing things um, that are questionable. Right. And those are probably the individuals in my mind that may, that may struggle more. Right. I think it takes a toll on anybody. Yeah. It's not natural. Yeah. It's not a natural act. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's a necessary well, act. That's the whole reason why you're there. And if, and if, and if that's not you and that's not your, and if you don't think you're capable, like do something else. Right. You know, there are plenty of jobs in the military um, so anybody listening is thinking about maybe, you know, like there's plenty of jobs that don't involve pulling the trigger. Yeah. So you probably can relate to all the, the police, all the first responder police stuff that's going on in the, even in the U S right now, because you go into a potential conflict and have to make a split second decision whether to pull that trigger or not. Yes. I mean, it's, um, it's it, right there now. are certain times where, you know, I've, I've, say now, I mean, I'm not, I'm not active anymore. So, right. you know, I've been investigated for, for things and, you know, came out saying that I clean shoot and, right. you know, it's, it's, it's definitely the fact that the media is there has definitely made it harder Correct. for people to do their jobs. Correct. Right. Right. Um, you know, because everything's being scrutinized. Yeah. I, I, there's a certain media company. I'm not going to say which one that followed, followed us my second deployment. And we did some things where, you know, took out some bad people and they're, they're still alive. So guess what? We're actually providing aid to them. Okay. We're providing aid to them. They're now no longer a threat. Right. So now we're providing aid to them. We're trying to evacuate them via our helicopters to our medical facilities. And this news company wants to go out and say that we're killing local nationals. Right. And I, I, and the only reason why I know this is because I talked to my dad, like, like, and he's like, yeah, I saw you guys did this. And was, I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, what? I'm like, no, uh, those people were shooting at me. Yeah. Uh, so the news you know, company, we're, we're not just, we're not just willy nilly shooting people for no reason. Right. So and, the network didn't show the back end of the story. No, they completely twisted it 
in their own. And it, it wasn't the first time I had witnessed that. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's kind of messed it's, up. It's See, rough, man, because I've seen it from my point. You know, we, we go drop off a Marine team. They take out some guys and then they're alive. So now we have to transport these guys. And for me, it was, I mean, it, it takes every last bit of your, your moral values to look at these guys as human beings now. Like these guys were just trying to kill the the good guys that that I brought here, right? That I was protecting with my life, and now I've got to transport this dude to our facilities to, to save, to his, to life. save his life. Yeah, see, uh, it's rough. Technology has made it way too easy for the guy who doesn't do the job stand on the outside and then armchair quarterback. Well, yeah. they didn't do this. They didn't do this. Well, man, you're walking up to you're taking video of a of a situation that you have no. I mean. I wish we had doing it operator right here, man, because it, that guy, I started watching his videos, but people have no clue as to what is going on. They make assumptions about crap. They have no, no clue idea about, about yeah. at all. And that's yeah. what's destroying. That's stupid. Yeah. Well, and that's what's destroying the whole, I think the whole outlook on our conflict, wartime conflict, first responders in today's world, even cops. Yes, um, we, we, uh, they, we, they look at it through one singular lens and not understanding that situation. And it's easy to do that. I mean, I've watched tons of these cop videos and it, it's, it's kind of weird because you can sit there and armchair quarterback it all day and go, well, God, well, how do, why did you do that? You're stupid. And, yeah, hindsight's but, 20, 20, man. Exactly. It doesn't matter what the situation Absolutely. is. Yeah. So, and, and you never know what you're going to walk into. Right. Period. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. just like, you know, I, I would never know what it was like to go in and be the guy on the ground. Yeah. Right. God, but you, God you bless. never know. You God never, bless those police officers. Right. Yeah. Now yeah. You never that know what you're going to do until job. you have to do it. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's crazy. Well, let's, let's kind of circle back around now. I know, man, I appreciate the stories. I think they're freaking awesome. Um, uh, and I appreciate you guys sharing. We'll definitely do a 2.0 on yeah, this and, cool. and do a, Story time. Yeah. When, when Scott's able to have a beer. There you go. But let's talk about, you know, so if you don't mind, let's, how'd you guys get out? I mean, did you just retire? 20 years plus, um, I was, we were, I was in my last deployment. Um, I got to the best job I have ever had in my entire military career was, um, I was a support guy working for 10 special forces group. Um, we were, we were that group of people that went to Africa to go in the search for Joseph Coney. So hey, I, re I remember talking to you about this. Oh, yeah. Like one of the first times we ever met going to college station, we sat and talked about that one night. That was a good trip. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's freaking cool. So shit. for people that don't know, Joseph Coney is one of those, he's one of those guys from the Idi Akin regime from Uganda that when the leadership broke down, they would go out and all the atrocities that you hear about in Africa where you've got eight-year-olds with AKs yeah. taking these kids say, and raping women, doing all these say he was the stuff. He was the, the child soldier guy. Oh, yeah. So machine right? gun preacher. Mm -hmm. so anybody, you know. That's wants, what that movie's about? Oh, dude. Yeah. So Joseph Coney, that guy was, he was crazy. But, okay. you know, working for 10 Special Forces Group, I got to take three small UAV you know, in a group of guys with an A team to different locations. So, um, Uganda, Central Africa Republic, um, Southern Sudan, the Congo. I've, I got to fly in, fly into those areas on, on Cessnas. 
and little dirt strips. I mean, the best job I've ever had. Yeah. And then the most satisfying part is that we caught his, you know, we were in support of the Ugandan army. Um, we helped them catch or capture his number two guy. Yeah. Caesar. I mean, it's just one of those things. You know, job satisfaction, you go in, you do your job. Yeah. It's awesome. So you, you got out right after that? Oh yeah. No, I yeah. was talking to my wife and she just said, yeah, I think it's time you retire. I'm like, Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> so there's a long list of stuff here at the but, house you got to take care yeah. of. The thing is, you know, my son huh, getting ready to go to that, getting ready to go to that deployment. We were on the tarmac and I get a call. Your son got in a fight and Riley was third grade. Yeah. So I go, I go pick him up. What happened, son? This guy wouldn't leave me alone. So I choked him out. <laughs> <laughs> rules of engagement for my son in fighting was don't start a fight you, you finish it if you can you'll never get in trouble if you're taking care of your friends and your family right. don't ever start a fight Right. period and I got three calls and this guy wouldn't leave me alone so I knocked him out that's my boy yeah <laughs> that's so, awesome yeah, it was you know it's that conversation hey it's half of Riley's life I was gone Right. And yeah, it's time to get home. I've heard time to get home. Jason, what about you? you? Mine was, uh, not by choice. Yeah. So mine was being at a, uh, at a expo in London. So it's funny because man, I always wanted to go to England. I had this thing about going to England. I wanted to experience the culture. Eat the British. Exactly. I wanted to go have fish and chips yeah. like the, the natural way and everything. And I finally get my wish to go to, to England and I'm at a, at an air show. Um, we're, we're trying to sell helicopters to the rest of the world. And, uh, I just had this freak infection slash accident where thanks to the British weather, I was coming down an aircraft slipped, kind of yanked my neck and fell. And I guess I had an infection brewing in my neck that compounded with everything. And after three days of pain and whatnot, I woke up paralyzed in bed and, um, had a spinal cord injury. Um, there was no ends, ifs, or buts with the military. They're like, dude, you're going to retire. Yeah. Um, there's no real desk job that we can give you or anything like that. Let's, let's just get you out, get you medically retired, get you taken care of and, uh, right. time to focus on yourself. So yeah, it, yeah, just, I, it was just horrible luck, but you know, what's funny. And I, I'm Jason been one of my best friends now for years and you don't let the chair stop you. No, I, and, and there's no uh, feeling sorry for Jason Tabansky, man. He's just not that guy. I, I, I can't. No. I think the moment I let that take over me is the moment that you guys are going to put me down. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> there, there, there really is no, no. Because um, it was bad luck. No pity Literally. party. I mean, it's, it's bad was it, luck. Was it like a staff infection? It was strep. Strep. Yeah. yeah strep first throat. time I ever yeah, got strep. strep throat, the parasite went yeah. from my throat, went up my spinal cord and, yeah, and kind of well, hung out, hung out in my neck. And the doctor said it was that fall was kind of like squeezing a pimple that kind of blows up and starts right. spreading. But you know, a lot of people would have seen it as just bad luck or something really, really awful. I just, I see it as another opportunity because I wouldn't be here with you guys right? or, or met anybody that that's in my life now, if this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of good that's come out of it. Absolutely. And, you know, there, it is challenging. 
Uh, I'm not going to sit here and, and sugarcoat and be like, yeah, being paralyzed, being in a chair is the coolest thing in the world, man. Because <laughs> I was just talking to Scott on Tuesday night. Well, I went, we were, I, I, go, oh, I was going to go there. <laughs> I went, I went hunting last week and this? went to, uh, uh, oh, this is good. Went to this ranch up in San Saba and you know, the, the, the cabin was pretty accessible. They had a little ramp, they had a big bathroom and everything, but there's no beds. The beds were upstairs. So I'm like, cool. I'll just, uh, guess I'm going to crash on the couch. So the guy's like, yeah, you know, we have a couple other guys that come here and they're in chairs and they crash on the couch. Well, just because you have a spinal cord injury with the next person doesn't mean you have the same ability. Right. Mine is I'm lugging my whole weight from my shoulders down pretty much. So anyway, we get done eating dinner. He takes off and it's just me and myself in this cabin. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to lock the door. Be good. Put my chair next to the couch and I jump on this couch and I think it was probably like a foot and a half drop once I got on the couch. And my face when I got on the couch was, damn it, this is going to suck tomorrow morning. And he locked the door. And I locked the and door. And the door's exactly. locked. Can't get over to the, <laughs> get the door. Let me tell you about next the next morning. You know, my, my first of all, I couldn't sleep. I had one of the worst sleeps ever because I was waking up every, I don't know, like 15, 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, just trying to shift around on the couch and whatnot. And finally at four 30, my alarm goes off. I get up, I start trying to get dressed on the, uh, on the couch, which is the hardest thing I've done in my life. Cause I have no room to wiggle around. <laughs> and, uh, I have this thing called a, a slide transfer board, which allows me to get from surface to surface without really risking any injuries to my skin or, or right. bones or bruising or anything like that. So I've got one that's, I don't know, probably two and a half feet long. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to provide the perfect bridge for me. The angle on that was probably 45 degrees, maybe more. Um, so I, I'm wearing uh, these camo overpants that are kind of slippery. So I shimmy up this thing, fall back down, shimmy back up, <laughs> fall back down. I, I must have shimmied up like nine times. And at this point, my guide's at the front door, like knocking, like, dude, are you okay? Are you going to get off that couch sometime today? And I didn't want to be the guy to be like, I need you to break the glass and come help me because I can't get out. <laughs> so I mustered all my strength, finally made it on the chair, realized that, crap, now my pants are halfway down my ass. <laughs> so I had to get off of that, go jump in the in the van, take the, the van's got leather seats, was able to get dressed 100% and, and, you know, get ready for the day. But yeah, it's never, it's never 100% no. happy days when you're like, well, dude, I can't, I can't. I can't wait to start my day in this wheelchair. Well, it's funny you say it, but just a simple thing. And I never realized this until, I, you know, Jason and I were talking one day about it. But, you know, we get out of, if I got to be somewhere at 7 a.m., I get up at around 6, take a shower real quick, get ready, and I'm ready to rock and roll. You know, it takes you, what, two hours well, yeah, I, to I, do that same function. Yep. Yeah. yeah I so mean, if we have an appointment at 7, you're up at 5. Correct. To get, and, and people don't realize, I mean, it is, so everything is just harder. Yeah. It takes more time. Correct. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's just a little bit more, more planning. Yeah. Um, You never bitch about it though. No, I try not to, especially, you know, my, I've been blessed with, with a wife that's been very supportive. Oh, she's amazing. Very, um, she's been very involved with everything. You know, I think, I think this injury actually brought us closer together. Yeah. Um, and she was very empathetic at first and then she started meeting other people, other wives, other nurses and bless their heart for putting the, uh, the bug in her ear of you got to give him some tough love. Yeah. And I'm glad she did. Cause I wouldn't be here where I'm at this far advanced if, if she didn't. Cause yeah. 
her way of looking at things is when I start getting down, she's like, dude, stop bitching. You can't do the same thing the way you did it before. You just have to do it different. Yeah. Um, just go out and try. Exactly. And if you fail, I'm here for you. Right. Um, Reality support. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm, she's awesome. I get that from everybody here at the shop, which is what I, what I love about being here. Um, Cause I haven't had one person pat me on the shoulder and, no. and, and feel sorry. And, and I'm, if you're listening, if you do that, you might get punched. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, I'm all about the support, but don't feel sorry for no. me. Dude, that's Laugh so, with oh, me. Well, you're not going to I mean, be able to reach their face. So <laughs> you want to bet? Yeah, but he's, uh, yeah. he's like perfect height here, man. He's got gorilla arms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, I, but he's got some reach. I mean, I know enough of you, you know, enough pair guys yeah. from uh, shooting the USA archery stuff. Like, I don't know if I know a group of people that talks more shit to each other than yeah. like, oh, God. but yeah. at least the, the retired military guys mm -hmm. in the, in the parasite of archery. Cause I mean, between you, uh, Eric Burkett, train wreck, a yeah. uh, bunch of other guys like, man, you guys are ruthless Hardcore. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> shit talking commences once you got, once you realize like, Oh, you're in the military. Well, I can, oh yeah. I dude. can get away with saying this and that. <laughs> well, there's, there's a funny thing that we lived by and I'm sure you guys experienced too. If I'm not sitting here picking on you or talking shit to you, I, don't I like probably you. don't like you. Or I don't feel comfortable enough with you. Yeah, right. that's why. I mean, I'm not saying to go out and belittle people and berate people, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk smack. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just get along. But that it. comes with learning the personality and who you can, yeah, you know, yeah. get it right. Yeah, but I mean, in a nutshell, in a very long nutshell, that's that's how I got out of the military. Right. You know, I'm from Texas. When I was uh, at Walter Reed, they gave me they gave me five choices. They said you can be in Richmond, Tampa, which I was really tempted. Tampa fishing, right. amazing, right? Uh, but then hurricanes and wheelchairs, right? I couldn't do it. Um, California, not oh. even going to go there. Uh, Minneapolis was another one. And then San Antonio was like, perfect. I'm from Texas. Right. Got family in the Valley, which is close enough, but far enough. Right. I'm going there. And I, don't I, they I have one of the, I think San Antonio isn't their, their VA, one of the best in the country. They've got the best spinal cord unit right. in the, in the country. And in that's the country. what they said. Yeah. So it so was, it made sense. Yeah. It was an easy choice. And yeah. And and burn unit. Yeah. Correct. Well, so, phenomenal burn. Yeah. If you don't want, I mean. Probably the market. And that's what, is that what got you out basically? Yeah. 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 I had an injury that you know, I sustained some third degree burns to the upper body. And, uh, you know, it, it pretty much pretty uh, closed the book on my. On your. On yeah. the, you know, and, uh, it's just, and it is the second major injury I had while, uh, while active. So. Right. Um, definitely not ideal. Right. Yeah. It had to be brutal, honestly. Yeah. It was a nightmare. Yeah. The toughest uh, thing you probably ever could experience. I would rather have been shot 10 times over again. Yeah. And receive burns to the yeah. extremities, face and head. Yeah. Um, any day of the week, twice on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's crazy. And I don't know when you came into the shop, what, four years ago, um, you know, you had just got out of the burn unit, right? No, uh, not, not really, actually. It, it, well, I know your injuries were long, still pretty. It is a long process. Is it a long process? It is a very long process. Well, maybe it was the surgeries you were having, because I know you came in pretty bandaged up. Yeah, you know, it's, on the arms. it's um, you wore a lot of compression garments. Yeah. You know, scarring. And, right. And it's, it's, it's not fun. Right. San Antonio. Uh, in, the, in the summertime. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hot already. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, so it's, but, but yeah, you know, it was. How I long mean, was that recovery? Seriously, a year? Well, I'm still recovering. Yeah. You know, it, it it's, it's. Something it's new every on, day. It's an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, I'll never have um, some of the things that I used to take for granted. Right. Everybody takes for granted that, that, you know, that still affect me to this day. Um, and it, and it's, uh, you know, if you sit there and sulk it, it is a nightmare. Right. So you have to do what you have to do to, to keep your mind. Yeah. And try to, and try to continue to live your life. You know, what's weird is that Marco and I fish a lot together. We spend hours on a boat. I'd never see that side of that though. And it's probably you just being able to suppress it, hide it, whatever it is. And you'd never, I don't even look at you differently from an injury standpoint that you're dealing with anything because you're just another guy fishing, you know, for 10 hours a day when we're out there in the water. So that's pretty crazy. Cause I, I would look at you from the outside looking in now that you said it is recovered even though you say you're, you're still dealing with stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's, it, and I looked at guys, you know, that were, had some, had bad burns um, before and, and you look at them and you're like, Oh, you know, it, it, they got burned. I'm sure it sucked at the time. Yeah. Um, but now all, you know, you assume that, okay, all they got to deal with now is they just look different. Right. Um, that's not, Definitely not the case <laughs> at all, no. whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and it's it's I it was it's eye opening. Yeah. Um, it's you know, it's a terrible thing to happen to, to anybody. Right. And um, well, anyway, funny story. Marco comes into the shop. Like I said four years ago. You had had you had shot archery before? Yeah, you yeah, know, a little I, bit. I, yeah, yeah I, I, you know, shot when I was a kid. You when you were a kid, right? You know, never had any um, instruction. Yeah, but you know, well, I'll I never forget it. though. You you come in and, and and you wanted to get back into archery. I think when we were talking about it, and I'm looking, you know, physically, I'm looking, at it, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, this is going to be a hard one. How am I going to deal with this? And and uh, I think you had got like a thirty pound bow. I think it was roughly about thirty. Yeah, it was a bow I had uh, prior to prior to being injured, and right. I was. And with and we had turned it way down to like oh, thirty yeah. pounds I and, and I barely I, pull it. Yeah, I remember that. And I was thinking to myself, man, I don't know where he's going to go with this and how far he can go because I just, you know, the extent of your injuries and and everything else. And um, I will never forget. What two or three months later, I think it is. You were ordering a new bow and wanted to order eighty pounds, and I about had a heart attack. I was like, this guy's crazy. Yeah, that's what he pulls down. Yeah, yeah well, was, he's nuts. Was, and literally, I think within about a four or five month period, he was ordering an 80 pound Matthews, I think it was, or Hoyt, I forget what it was, but, yeah, but it's, it's amazing what happens when you, when you shoot. control your mindset. Well, it's crazy. Cause that's what I'm saying. I was shocked. Shoot your bow. Yeah. <laughs> Just shoot your bow. Yeah. Shoot your bow. I was actually shocked and admiring, admiring the fact that he had done it. And now he's, yeah, he's shooting an 80 pound Hoyt. Like it's nothing. Then, um, well, wait, I, credit to that company. Cause it feels like nothing. <laughs> you say you shoot your bow. I shoot my bow all the time. I still can't put full 80, full 80 pounds. pounds. Yeah. No kidding. So yeah, it's, I'm going to the gym tomorrow. It was a, it was a really, really cool story. Cause Marco, uh, yeah, he came out of nowhere and, and, and actually very hyper competitive individual. So he shoots a lot with us tournament wise, shoots our league in the, on, at night on Tuesday nights. And I dabble. Yeah, you dabble. You, whatever, dude. He, he's, yeah. a, he's so full He shot crap. behind me on Tuesday, yeah. sitting there shooting trad. Yeah. Tread, and traditional like, bare bow. And he's like, damn it, I put it outside the 10. 
I wanted, I wanted yeah. to wheelie no, on his, you, on his it, knees. It's worse when you hang out with him as much as I have in the last probably six, eight months. I wouldn't know. He's stupid competitive. Like OCD over the top. Anything you can do. Like we, went, we, went to, we went to top I want to win. Yeah, duh. <laughs> Why do anything if you don't want to, if no, you're not going to win? Exactly. It's, no, it's obsessive with him. Though. If you're not first. Your last. He he. It's we went to top. Went to top golf. He smoked me in top golf. I threw clubs at that Mark, place. You're a good golf. Hey, hell of a golfer. No, he's a hell of a golfer. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys one thing golf, that I'm really excited golf ball about. Golfer guy. Yeah, you and him would be like really good because you can golf. Bridges. And I'm really excited about this. I just got one of those little you golf me. cart things. Texas yeah. the other we're, day. We're about to start playing playing some golf, which yeah. sucks because the summer's coming around. Yeah, yeah it is. Couldn't you have got that thing like sooner? I could have, but I was lazy. <laughs> but yeah. at least a good thing I was here. Putting a podcast together. At least a good thing about golfing in Texas is I feel like I can hit a hell of a lot further when it's 110 degrees outside. Yeah, exactly. Well, that humidity will oh my grab God. the ball and take it. Yeah. The humidity and the heat. Yeah. yeah. Add another 10, 12 yards. But no, you know what's, you know what's, feel better anyways. what's crazy, and I'm going to I'm gonna dig into what you were saying and, and kind of tie it together a little bit. There's one thing that has brought us all together in this community, and that's archery. Yeah. Uh, shooting, you know, whether it's target hunting. Yeah, something we've all been able to come together and, yeah. and, and start shooting. Well, so, and to talk about you, Roger, and when you got out, now Roger, from a standpoint, is really big into adaptive archery now. He's taking, so I thought it was kind of unique that you were talking about how you adapted your vehicles over there in your wartime effort, and now you're, you're doing the same thing um, with disadvantaged children, guys. I mean, you support the para community. Um, he does, Roger heads up this group here locally in Texas called the kinetic kids, but that might, is that a national thing? Oh, no, that's, that's specific to, uh, San Antonio, San Antonio. Texas area. Yeah. So kinetic kids is an organization that provides all types of adaptive sporting opportunities. Right. I mean, to the point where we actually take kids skiing in, in the mountains. Gotcha. So if there's an, if there's a sport they want to try, there's an adaptive, gotcha. an adaptation we can, we can make. Right. But, um. I was, my son Riley started shooting. So I've got a picture of him with a diamond atomic with like the perfect form. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let's find a Joe Ag group. Um, we found a Joe Ag group uh, with Archery School of the Rockies, Colorado Springs with Karen Bach. She's a, my coach, my teacher. But um, we started there and then Riley was getting really good. And he's three or third grade, fourth grade. And then, so I got into it and I hung around the shop and I like this. Yeah. And then I met Leah. I met, uh, Sam. Um, can't remember her name now. She went to Rio mm -hmm. in, in place of Kinga. Yep. Um, so we were doing, Karen was helping them get ready for these different events. Right. So I remember when Leah went to her first, um, Arizona cup. So I had actually made my first mouth tab for Samantha to prepare to go to that, that event. And then that's, that's where it all started. Right. And I got out of the military, came here and then I started, I was doing volunteer work with Jeremy Velas. Um, apparently I met Jason through a buddy of mine who gave them my card and it, it, we didn't know it until recently. Right. But I just, it just, it's, it calls me. Right. Um, being in the military, as an NCO, you learn to be a trainer. 
you learn to teach, learn to coach, and then everything just it fell in from there. Right. And then I got into you know, the kids while I was at school at UIW. Um, when we had one of the directors there, it's a track coach for uh, kinetic kids. And I was talking to him and it's like, yeah, I do you know, volunteer work for with, with Jeremy and I've done some adaptive archery as well. We got a bunch of kids that want to, that want to try. Right. So I started with three kids in, in a racquetball court, um, me and Barry Watson, and then three kids turned into eight kids. And then we had an adaptive archery clinic. I think I had 18 kids at this clinic. And then I basically volunteered my way into a coaching position with kinetic kids. <laughs> right. And then coming in the shop, I mean, I was fortunate then to have a guy like you to give me a key to the shop to come in and, and practice with my kids. And it was yeah. the coolest things because I had, um, had all the kids here working and Philip Hall, the, I'll never forget this story. I tell it all the time. Philip Hall walks in and he was, he's a lawyer and he just had one of those really, really, really bad days. And then I'm here with my kids and we're coaching and kids are shooting and he comes in and, you know, I, he takes a look and he kind of steps back. And then he talks to me afterwards and says, you know, I was having a really crap day, but seeing what you do just made all that go away. Well, and it did because uh, let's, maybe get into the meat and potatoes a little bit. You're talking about these, these kids, some of them have no arms and they're shooting with a mouth tab. Well, I, I've got a couple of kids. Um, it's called hemiplasia where they have no use of their arm. You're correct. Right? Yeah. So just like, uh, Eric, uh, Bennett, um, where he's, he's an amputee, but he shoots an Olympic recurve with mouth tab. With mouth, so yeah. I've got kids who will, you know, with one arm load their arrow by themselves um, address the bow, get the mouth tab in their mouth, and shoot an Olympic recurve with one arm. One arm, yeah. Yeah. I've got yeah. one kid that was, that actually shot it at 70 meters a few years ago. Right. And, and that's what, and that's what's so cool about it. Cause Philip called me as soon as he had left that day and said, you know, I, I was having a really bad day until I walked in and seen these kids doing things that are, they're in, in such a tough situation and enjoying and shooting and having a great time, it completely changes outlook. Like there's no bad day as bad as what they could possibly are experiencing just getting through life. You know, and I have to say as a coach, I'm, I'm a little harder on these kids than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, you, Marco you, used to, you, you, yeah, I've been you, in here yeah. when you're doing it, you'll crack the whip on them every oh, once yeah, in a while, but, but man, they, I mean, the, some of them kids are pretty damn good and yeah. they have a hell, they are usually having a hell of a time over there oh, yeah. shooting yeah. too. Cause right. I've been in here cause we used to do it on Mondays, right? Yes. I used, I'd be in here doing strings or building arrows or doing something and they'd all be in here and they are having, they'll have a ball down there while Roger's over there beating them with a switch, trying to get them to shoot the bow right. And you know, it, it goes back to what Jason was saying with the support from Courtney. Um, these, the kids know that I'm never going to put them in a situation that they're going to get hurt. Right. Right. We, we established that from the beginning. Right. And we established that level of trust and the parents, they love it because the parents do the same thing. Right. The parents know that if they don't, if they don't make it a little bit harder on them now, what's going to happen when they have to go on their stuff, right. on, their, on themselves. Right. Um, in fact, uh, the perfect example of this is uh, I watched a, um, a show about uh, Matt Stutzman. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was just going to bring up him, his, yeah. you know, his adopted parents. Yeah. 
Um, if anybody was, no, I don't think anybody could be as hard on their kid as Matt's parents. But right. if you look at the guy now, changes brakes with his feet. Yeah. I mean, it, it, so for, the, for those of you who don't know, Matt Stutzman is the armless archer. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's on tour with Bridger. Born, um, born without arms, no shoots arms. with his feet. But I mean, his parents said like, Hey man, you, it's not like your arms are going to grow back. So you might as well learn to do it. Well, and do it and, the way you got to do it now. And you and Matt are good buddies. I yeah. Mean, well, when out. I, yeah, when I lived in Iowa, I was only hour, hour and a half from him. So we, yeah. we'd hang out quite a bit and, right. you know, shoot archery and I'd help him out with a lot of stuff. But, and, and, and one other thing people don't realize too, he having no arms, you don't want to shoot against this guy. Well, I'm not in the wind anyways. <laughs> I mean, he's good. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I'll say it's an advantage because it, it is easy for him anyways, for because him, yeah. he's used to doing it. Yeah. I mean, everybody else has equal opportunity to, to put a freestand belt around their around their yeah. chest and try and shoot with their damn feet. Their feet but, exactly. I mean, no, I ain't going to try and do it, but, but I mean, really you're, yeah, your legs are a hell of a lot stronger than your arms are, yeah. which I mean, it's evident because of the scores he shot that one year at outdoor nationals when he yeah. won Indiana and won the able body. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and Ed and he's doing it again. Ripping that year. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, this year he, he's back up. He, he yeah. beaten an able bodied archers and not just Across beat them. The he, well, he made, he made the able body archery uh, team. He yeah. wasn't on the World Cup team, but yeah, he was since in the top he won, eight. He was in the top eight yeah, since he yeah. won out or since he won it's the pretty cool, though, that Nationals he, part of it. But yeah. that's really cool that he took he, that. Yeah, but I mean, with those kids, I mean, they're going to be, it's not like they're going to outgrow stuff or, you know, get into a different situation like that. But, uh, oh, is that dude on the roof? Yeah, our roof is getting, uh, we got hail <laughs> There's extra on, noise. So they're up there going yeah. crazy. But, uh, you know, the... Yeah. No, their physical animals. abilities aren't going to change all that much. So they have to learn how to do it. And that's kind of, for me, kind of what you're doing there. And I would assume a lot of the connect guys are that way. I mean, Jason, the first time I met Jason, we were at indoor national indoor nationals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, what a diamond or what did you have? No, I had, I had a Hoyt Selena. Yeah. I remember that bow. Oh, that green little green thing. thing Dude, I'd look yeah. looked like a, like a grizzly bear on a, on a bicycle in a circus <laughs> with that bow. It's yeah. so, t- it's like a 27 inch and I'm a 30 yeah, inch drop. Yeah, exactly. And Jason and I would spend hours in the old shop where when I'll Scott, never, Scott had what a 15 yard range. Yeah, 15 yard well, I'll range, never, yeah. I'll never forget that first time we went to the shop and it was on a Saturday and Roger and I were working and that's when we really, really, decided that, you know what, this, this shop and Scott is where we need to be at. Cause we stayed there that Saturday and I was nervous cause I was like, man, you're about to close. And you're like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Let's find you a bow that that's yeah. going to work. And you guys helped me set up that, that synergy. Yep. And dude, you were trying to get me to draw correctly. Cause I, I didn't have the strength or balance. I think that bow was at like 39 pounds. Yeah. But that's, that's how it started, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's just awesome because I know I think everybody here has worked with those. I mean, Marco, you volunteered and worked with Roger yep. with the kinetic kids, yeah. mm-hmm. which yeah. was awesome. Um, and it, it's just, we do so much with that adaptive community now. And I think that we're kind of like the San Antonio home shop for those guys. And even the para guys, I, mean, I would say so. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. do a lot. For, and, and it's not just cause we it has nothing to do with money from the shop perspective. It's just about supporting the, See, but the, the greatest thing about this shop is that, the amount of knowledge I, I am not the end all know all be all for anything. <laughs> so I have absolutely no problem saying, Hey Scott, come take a look at this yeah. or Bridger. What are your thoughts on this? Because it's that collective 
that collective mindset and getting everybody together that helps support everybody. Right. I mean, we, we couldn't do it without each other. Right. Yeah, it's definitely percent. a team. Yeah. You know, and, and what I love about this is that we'll build you. And I say we, cause I'm starting to hang out here more. Yeah. And we'll build you to be self-sufficient. So a guy, um, one of our athletes, Eric Lindsay, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been working with Eric for almost, almost two years now, almost, two or three years, yeah, two, almost three years. Yeah. Uh, Eric came in and he couldn't, he couldn't support a, a Samic recurve, a light. But now this guy is a, he's, he's on the way. Yeah. He's a beast. Dude, he is super strong. Yeah, I remember starting Eric with that, that green, um, Genesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he would come in before, before you picked him up. And his goal was to draw that bow back 20 times. And I remember when he shot his first arrow, just the look on his face, I knew he was hooked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you come in here now and shoot a five spot round like it's no big deal? Yeah. Grind. Shoot a 60 arrow yeah. round like it's nothing. Like so proud of Eric. He just he went dude. to the Gator Cup and he, uh, he surpassed his personal best by like what, 80 points? Yeah. I mean, he just, he's rocking it. Right and, and you know, and that's, what's really cool because you look at Eric and what he's done in three years. I mean, to your point, couldn't hold a bow up and now he's shooting a fully rigged open freestyle. Oh, definitely. I you mean, know, with shoot, all the bells and whistles. W. The only thing he's missing is a scope sight and a peep sight. And a peep sight because he's shooting that's that cheating. class. <laughs> that's freaking cheating, dude. Yeah. Same class Jason shoots. Yeah. yeah. I, I put a peep in a scope and I've been shooting league. Yeah. I'm like, this Wait a cheating. minute. This, <laughs> this is, is too way easy. too easy. <laughs> well, heck, a couple of weeks ago, you came through and you, were, you I, I was, shot a half around clean on a Vegas yeah. face. And yeah. then I got tired. And you got tired. Exactly. But no, it's the, the progression of the kids and, and just the regular adaptive shooters is, I think it's what fuels everybody. And, and getting away from the target side, the hunting part well, the too. Hunting. I was about ready to go into the hunting. I, I am a firm believer uh, when I came out of the hospital, I was so blessed for people to say, Hey, let's get you outside. Yeah. Cause I was a big believer at, and, and you heal the mind, you heal the body. Right. And I think the outdoors healed my mind, which allowed me to progress. Cause I had goals to, Hey, I'm going to go do this hunt. Well, I gotta, I gotta be able to, you know, knock this, this, um, task out to be able to be self-sufficient and be able to go out there and hunt. Cause right. I don't want to be left out and I hang out with the guys because uh, I can't jump on a bed or I can't do something like right. that. Right. Um, but getting outside, you know, Marco's done so much cooler shit than I have. <laughs> um, and, and I will, I'll get to your level one day. I'm going to go, I'm going to go try and shoot an elk soon. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, yeah, whatever. stop being shy, bro. <laughs> yeah. We all know you kind of, you got, you've been blessed to hunt and kill some pretty cool stuff. So. Yeah, I've been, I've, I've been, I've been lucky. Yeah, I've been, I've, I've been, you call it lucky if you want, but I'm taking advantage of the opportunities exactly. that we provided. I like that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, you talk about, you talk about this gentleman who now he's, who could barely pick up a bow and now he's doing awesome. I, I was kind of there in the same situation. hundred percent. And Jason, you know, it, and it just shows like, if you try, you know, good things happen and yeah. you progress, you know, you just have to, you just have to try. And that's the thing. Just put your mind to it and get it done. Yeah. Putting in the work. Yeah. yeah. Put in there the work. Go. Yeah. There yeah. Cause it's taken Eric, you know, three years. It took you what, I mean, you went really fast. I mean, you got, you went from 30 to 80 pounds in about four or five months. Well, I, I don't know about that, but yeah, you but did. I, but I, but I see what you, I get what you're, I mean, you, but so, you put in the work. Yeah. You put in the work and that's what I'm saying. You shoot a lot. Even now you still shoot a lot and that's, 
that's a testament to you being able to do what you do. And then like even Roger, I mean, Roger's that guy you've been, I know you get offered a ton of hunts, but you usually give them away. No, 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 not really. Not really. No, okay. Well, no. I thought See, you did. My thing is, you know, I, well, I'd be more <laughs> happy to take my son and sit with my son and let him hunt. I, or my daughter, like uh, the Texas Youth Hunt Program. Yeah. Well, that's I, what I'm saying. You've you've generated yeah. all this. You generate a lot of hunts, opportunities, and they're mostly given to kids and yeah, oh, some definitely. of the disadvantaged community. So shameless plug. Um, I'm the state coordinator for Texas S3DA. Mm-hmm. Um, the greatest thing that we've done is on top of creating a an adaptive category for our kids to shoot amongst everybody else. Right. But uh, partnering with Texas Youth Hunt Program, the first place winner for every category gets a free Texas Youth Hunt. Yeah, free hunt. Oh my gosh. Man, I, I, it's that's amazing. That's awesome. And that's got to be one of the few, we got to be one of the few states that have that as well, part of our, our prize stuff. Oh, definitely. We're, and think, that's all coordinated. You did that. Oh, definitely. Um, and I love it because TYHP, if you think about it, where else in the entire world for $150 can you take your son or daughter for an entire weekend with food, guides, um, instruction, camaraderie for 150 bucks. Yeah. Here and I mean, and there's hunts all over, all over the state to include adventure hunts yeah. where they'll take no, you to New Mexico. When you say 150 bucks, is that your entry fees? You're joining S3DA? No, no, everything? no, no. That's where, that's with Texas youth. Gotcha. I mean, if you were to go with Texas youth hunt program, that's what it's going to so cost you. So you can apply for that. And then, but if you go shoot S3DA and you win the first the, place, the first place and the boys, whatever, open, open class, open yeah. class you're going to get that hunt for nothing. Oh, definitely. And I said, because your daughter did it last year, correct? Yeah, Abigail, I took Abigail to, uh, YHP hunt in Kerrville and she harvested two, um, two white tails and an axis gear with her bow, with her bow, 38, yeah. 38 pound Matthew Stoke. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And that goes a beast. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great program and, and maybe some of the listeners and even if you're out of state, you know, work with your local FWP fish and wildlife people and, and, and see if you can, uh, cause uh, Texas has been great. Our oh, Texas definitely. wildlife has been amazing. They've been very gracious, um, in helping you get the opportunity for the kids. Oh yeah. You know, Chris Mitchell, uh, at TYHB, he's been, and he does it for, and it's amazing because the kids, he does it for like, uh, NAS program. So there's a ton of hunts that get given away, but it's amazing how many people don't take their kids to go take advantage of the situation. Yeah, exactly. Of of what they've won, what they've earned. Right. That's awesome. That is, that's part of the coolest thing probably about our programs and our stuff. And, and, you guys are crazy. <sighs> youth youth programs. <laughs> As we talk about youth programs. Youth programs. Yeah, youth programs and uh, drinking milk stout in the mornings. I just don't get it's that. Cereal. Yeah. It's cereal. It's <laughs> cereal for the right. adults. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sticking to my coffee. Yeah. But, um, no, these, these youth programs are amazing. You know, we, we need a lot more, more kids out in the outdoors because I think that we're losing a lot of the youth to cell phones and video games and a bunch of other crap that, you know, is poisoning their minds. So I'm to be I, that we talked guy about this the other day. Yeah. We talked about this the other day and I tell you, you guys say that, but I have watched in the last, I'm going to say 10 years, at least in Texas. When I, when I moved here 16 years ago, I was watching, we go to a tournament and you'd see, you guys can't see this if you're listening, but they're probably, let's say 200, let's say it's 300 archers. 
you got 200 adults and you've got probably 50 young adults and maybe 50 kids. It's kind of like how, so the line was two thirds adults and a third kids, basically it's up to age 17. And I know even as most recently, I've seen that flip-flop. I've well, seen it where the, there is now I mean, two thirds kids and a third adult. I mean, so at least for us here doing like the Psywats and that kind of stuff, yeah. like it's, we usually, it's a, at the bare minimum, like half and half. Half and half, exactly. We have a lot of kids that sign up for that. So on a you. national level, it used to be where, like in Indiana a couple of years ago, where they had all the adults and the kids at the same event. Right. It, Archery has gotten so big that they've had to split that they up. They split them so, up now, yeah. You know, so there's, it, it there's a kids' juniors. day? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, kids no, no, no. There's weekend. like a kids' tournament. Yeah. Oh, so Lord. Juniors and above will be at the national shoot. And then, you know, from yeoman to uh, cadet will be at another shoot at a completely different On weekend because there's the amount of support that it takes to do a national tournament when you're, what, how many? 2000 shooters maybe yeah, yeah I, I think the last year when they had combined national outdoor target and Easton Joad was God, somewhere around 23 to 2500 people yeah. wow. I mean it was insane and so I mean they ended up now they started splitting it so it runs from yeoman all the way up to junior but it's a it's a youth tournament only correct yeah so I think the bigger issue lies in the fact that we've got I think archery is going in the right direction for kids and for young adults. But what I see the disconnect in is getting them out into the woods as hunters. Yeah. I think that is where we're potentially seeing a decline. I think, I think it's twofold or threefold. I think you got time and effort from families now because time is becoming a commodity that's not readily available for most families with two working parents and trying to make a living, blah, blah, blah. And then I think opportunity is a big one because this is becoming, I hate to say this about hunting, but I'm seeing it happen in my very, in front of my very eyes. It's becoming a rich man sport to a degree. And that bothers me as yeah. a, as a hunter. Yeah. You know, and, and I grew up in New Mexico, so you can't hunt year round like you can here in Texas. Right. You know, and I think, you know, my family, they were, they were, they were hunters, they were elk hunters. Um, but that was a side of my family that I, that never, I never got exposed to that. Right. You know what I mean? So you don't know what you don't know. You know, you know, it's out there, but you don't know the avenues on like, how do I, how do I do that one day? Right. You know, um, I growing up, I thought, you know, I, like you just said, rich man sport, I thought it was going to take thousands of dollars to go elk hunt in New Mexico because my family, they used to own a ranch, used to hunt elk. Right. I don't know it anymore, but that side, you know, I disconnected from, from, especially after I joined the military. Um, so, I think, I think the knowledge, you know, and if, and if the kid's parents, if they're not hunters, like what is it like, right. how does that kid go about like going about it? Yeah. He doesn't have anybody there to mentor him and guide him in a way to take him down that avenue. Yeah. So, I mean, I know going back to kids, yeah. you know, we have some of the, some of them kids down there. Like, man, I really want to take a deer one day. Right. But, no, but the mother, you know, she'd have no clue anything about that. See, and that's a great thing about TYHP and S3DA. So Scholastic 3D Archery, again, what they do is give kids opportunity to compete for scholarships and other prizes. But 3D Archery, um, that's the perfect training ground to learn how to bow hunt. Correct. 
And then uh, us as leaders for the organization, it's our responsibility to find and create opportunities for our kids. Right. So from a conservation aspect, we're taking our kids, showing them how to shoot, at, find the ethical shot, and then creating an opportunity to go hunt with Texas Youth Hunt Program. Right. Um, they learn and they learn to apply what they've, you know, their skills out, out in the field. Oh yeah. You're shooting the foam oh, animals yeah. and then let's transfer to go over shoot a right. live animal. Definitely. But, but Roger, let's be honest. You are, I think the exception to the rule. I will challenge other state directors out there. I don't think they're doing that. I think they're looking at it from the pure 3d standpoint and bridge. Job. I mean, I'll well, throw that back to you. It's a competitive side. So yeah. Go, go to, go to S3DA Facebook. Uh-huh. And we encourage, um, I say we, as you know, as national organization, but look at, we encourage our kids to go out and get out in the, in the woods. Yeah. So every year there's a competition. Show us, show us your, your favorite hunt. Yeah. Tell us a story about your favorite hunt. Send us pictures of your trophies or, or your harvest, whether yeah. it's a doe or a huge buck. We don't right. care. Right. The biggest thing, go in the woods, show us your story. That's from S3DA's aspect um, is connecting kids to archery and connecting archery kids to bow hunting. Right. Or not just bow hunting because we don't care if we want the kids to go hunting, but if they go out and they fish or they're enjoying the outdoors or they're doing something other than messing around on the phones. Right. That's what's important. Yeah. Um, and then if we can get them to take those skills and convert them to new bow hunters, that's, that's the big win. Yeah. Yeah. So Agreed. there's kids in all over that go to the S3DA Facebook. You'll see pictures of the kids with their hearts. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. I think that's a culmination of, all the archery, in my opinion, oh, definitely. It should that should be the end game. You're a hunter, yeah. You know, you're a hunter by nature, right? You, you know, just like I shoot these dots over here because I want to be better, a uh, better hunter. Yeah, you know, I want my mechanics to be good so that way when it, whatever animal's in front of me, I'm not sitting there thinking about. I hope the shot breaks clean. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny you were talk, we were talking yesterday about uh, our ancestors using a stick and string, yeah. you know, and killing bison and big animals with, you know, 45 pound bows or whatever they had. Right. Uh, just making it happen. But the original, the original purpose of the bow and arrow was to provide. Yeah. Not well, to shoot dots. Yeah. I thought it was because somebody was like, man, I really want to shoot that thing, but oh. it's way too far away. I want to stab <laughs> that guy, <laughs> but he's way over there. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's, I, if I had to guess, that's probably the original intent was wartime. Lazy exactly. ass caveman. I, I want to kill that dude over there, but I, I don't feel like running over there. <laughs> Tell you what, they, 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 you said they were shooting 45 pounds. Them dudes back then were like real archers. The With English the, longbowmen were shooting yeah. like 120, 150 yeah. pound longbows. And like thousand grain arrows. Oh man. I mean, you got to punch through that armor. Yeah. Dude, they, <laughs> I mean, they were some dudes and they used to spank the French from the, the, because the French invented the crossbow. Oh, Fun little history really? lesson here. Really? The French invented the crossbow and they thought yeah. it was the best thing ever because they could actually hit where they were aiming. But the guys in the Eng- the English guys that were actually good at it would just, I mean, obliterate it. I thought they were 
sending out arrows with white flags. White on flags them. attached to them. Yeah. Well, that's why the limbs were the limbs were all painted white. So. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. I pick I pick on Courtney about that the whole time because she's she's French Canadian, and I always say, hey, you know what your new flag is? It's a white cross on a white background. Yeah, you need to be careful, dude. She'll yeah, she she'll might yeah she might not. You, you know out. what she does hey, sometimes? We both have French Canadians. Yeah. Lives. Yeah, yeah. Well, Leah's French Canadian. Oh yeah, I did not know that. Really? Yes. Hmm. Oh, darn. Well, at least half of her is. Uh, well, there you go. Are they from Letterkenny? That's hilarious. No, but that you know, it's funny you say that though. But I know for both of you, your wives have been integral to your success at some point, even yeah. today. Honestly. Oh yeah. Yes. And I mean, I, mean, I know Leah. She's talked she, to us about. You know, she's been through a lot. Yeah, I absolutely. put her through a lot. Oh yeah. God bless her. And I'm, um, and I'm extremely lucky yeah. to have her. Yeah. Um, I think that's awesome. Well, I think that's amazing. the one, the one part of the community that I wish would get recognized a little bit more as the caregivers, the oh, spouses, no the support. Yeah. Cause everybody sees the, the face of the, of the injured veteran community or, or military community. And they're like, Oh yeah, that guy's going and doing things and doing that. Well, yeah, that's because we have, by himself. yeah, we've got no. a strong ass support team behind us and it right. starts at home. Right. Um, well, like you said, getting, getting up at five o'clock in the morning, she gets up and, and helps me do stuff, load up or do whatever. Right. Um, I mean, there's, there's times when, when I try and position everything to do it on my own, but you know, our, our spouses are the ones that, instill that first um that first fire in us like yeah. hey go out and do this and if if you don't get that support then you're not gonna you're not gonna succeed you're just well, gonna fail yeah and those i think are the i mean the unfortunate individuals that aren't that are being lazy and not not progressing and letting their injury take control of their lives yeah i mean if you don't have i think someone like you know courtney and leah behind you i can see how that would be easy to do yeah you know it, it Absolutely. It could be super easy. Um, Feel sorry for yourself to the point you just, you give up. I'm yeah. done. I mean, I've, you know, there's times I, to this still, still today, I feel sorry for myself. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not something you can just oh, and overcome, I, I, and, you know, and, and, and not just myself, you know, I'm just, you know, we got Memorial Day coming up and I, and, you know, I think about the Marines and the soldiers and airmen and yeah. the ones that have, have passed before us, you know, and, um, you know, there, there's also the ones that didn't pass overseas. They pass here at home. Right. Yeah. Um, right. due to emotional, mental injuries mm -hmm. that they received. Um, and that's a real thing. Yeah. It's a very, well, it's, it's a very real thing. Uh, and, it, it's a, and I know your wife, she's not having any of that. She's a, she's a suck it up buttercup off your, I mean, people don't real. I mean, just to know Leah and Marco, it's hilarious to watch them because they're so competitive as husband and wife. Your wife is crazy. Oh, I know. We, competitive. we played cornhole the other day. Yeah, it's yeah, bad. It's, it's, it's we, bad. We can't play on the same team <laughs> on anything. Yeah, for real. You can't. No, there, will, mean, be, there I, will be arguing. I want to go on the boat one day just to watch the fishing competition. It's got to be hilarious because I can imagine she gets in your crap. I mean... You, you, you're probably blocking her off some casts that she can't make. And I can imagine her just chewing your tail. And, Wait till she yeah. gets better at archery than you. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Oh, it sucks. God. She is such a, <laughs> she is such a natural shooter. Yeah. She really is. It makes you sick. Cause she never practices. And Oh my God. It drives me crazy. Yeah. I, I want her to, cause she really enjoys it, but her work ethic. Yeah. 
at least as far as it comes to archery, yeah. is not it's not there. Where I would like it to, dude. Right. It's a, you yeah, know, but it it's might a, be better somebody else's. Hey, it's a Canadian hey, thing. It's, I was gonna say this guy deals with the same thing. His wife. Will we not need to shoot. start our own support group. No. She will not <laughs> shoot for how many months, and then go clean yeah. clock. I mean, just like she didn't pick up her bow. I. I Fletched some arrows for her, retuned it, did everything. She hadn't shot it in like three or four months. We went out and we we're shooting at 50 meters and she puts up like a 146 on me. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, she does, man. It's <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, hey man, it, it, some people, man, just that long break, you forget, you, how to do, you forget how to do stuff wrong, well, too. <laughs> and it makes you wonder. I've tried it. I tried it. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> well, it doesn't work for everybody. No, exactly. No, but. it's... You're, and, and you're right, Marco. The the one thing that really fuels me is, is you know, Memorial Day is coming up and all the friends that and brothers and sisters that I've lost over the years, you know, I, I try to live my life to the fullest for them yeah. and their memory. Their families are going to go through this day and they're not going to have the happy barbecue with their with their loved ones. But, you know we carry on their memory, we carry on their honor and yeah. we try and, and push ourselves regardless of how shitty of a day we're having. You know what? I'm going to do it because they're not here. Yeah. Well, one of our, our sister organizations that we do a lot with um, Fletcher brothers, um, Raul posted something I thought was pretty awesome. Um, I read it and it really hit home because I, because I fall into this category sometimes, you know, and it was the whole thing of, you know, Memorial Day is not about the the beach, the beach and the flip flops. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. And, that and it had awesome a, and it had a set of boots um, with the American flag, and and this is what it's about. And I thought that was pretty amazing yeah. because most people look at Memorial Day, man, I got Monday off, I'm going to go to the beach and hang out and party my butt off, and and it, and that's great. I'm not not discounting the fact that please that that's that's what we fight for. Yeah, but you're right, and it's taken a different meaning for me at least, and, and yeah. Because I have so many friends of mine now that are ex-military guys, and you know. And then looking from a like from a family aspect, my family aspect, of, right? Like on my dad's side, out of five men, four of them were in the military, right? Um, my mom's side, um, I had a, had a great uncle who was in Normandy. Uh, I had another uncle that that died in Vietnam, right? I mean, this is that's what Memorial Day is for. Right. You know, yeah. remembering, you know, and, and look again, looking at family history, that's kind of helped drive me towards the military. Correct. So. Yeah. No, I agree. And it's, we all need to make sure it's what we're, you know, go and celebrate, go to the beach and your flip flops, whatever, but make sure we're, we're. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're fighting for. That's what we enlisted for. That's what we're doing to, to be able to secure and, and provide these freedoms for people to go out and do that stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, just know that it comes just, at, a, at a price. Exactly. Just, just honor the price that was paid for it. And for the vets that are out there listening, cause I know a lot of them that, you know, they, they get up in arms when, when somebody says happy Memorial day and they get angry or anything, just calmly educate. Yeah. Please don't go out there and be a jerk. Just calmly let the people know what, yeah. what, what it means. And, and especially if you've lost someone close to you. Right. Um, it's, it's not the time to be a jerk. No, you know, no, education no, no, no. goes a long way. Yeah. Um, go out, celebrate, take a moment, honor. If you're in town, come out to Fletcher brothers and shoot. We're going to do something really cool. Yeah. And Scott and I were talking about it the other night. We're actually going to raffle off a bow. Yep. Um, and those proceeds are going to go to support, um, a good cause. 
um, Scott, I was thinking we could either support an organization or we can support a family that's right. lost someone recently. Yeah. Um, so if you guys want to join in on this, hit us up on the, on the podcast page or our personal Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. You don't have to be present to win. And I'll tell you what, I'll ship the boat to you if Absolutely. you win. Absolutely. Um, Hit us up if you want to buy a ticket. Uh, we're going to do 20 bucks a ticket. Yep. And uh, if you win, you're going to get what kind of bow, Scott? Uh, we're going to raffle off. I think we might do two. Okay. I've been thinking about this. I've got a Hoyt um, Axios. It's last year's model, but it's brand new. We're going to raffle it off, and then we're going to do a PSC uh, Embark. So I think we're going to do two bows. Perfect. And actually, let's go back a little bit. What I want to do is get, sell tickets. I want to make it cheap. You know, We want to do, what was it, five for 20? or five bucks or something like that. Five, five tickets for $20. I know that's what we're going to do. Five tickets for 20 bucks yeah, for 20 bucks. Okay. Yeah. So five bucks a ticket. Yeah. Five bucks a ticket. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you're going to get about five of them, whatever. Yeah. $5, $5 a ticket. Five, 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 five tickets, five tickets for 20. 20. Yeah. I know. Okay. <laughs> so disregard the 20 bucks a ticket. We're yeah. going to go five bucks a ticket Yeah, and you or can you, let us know. And you can buy five for 20, which means you get a free one more or less. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But anyways, the, um, but we want to do it and this has nothing to do with the shop making money. I mean, a hundred percent of what we raise is going to go to an organization or to a family. Jason, and I've just got to kind of do some research and find out what, how that's going to be allocated. Um, because we wanted to give something back to those guys. I mean, they so do a lot for us. So if you have any feedback or, um, suggestions, please post them in the, in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let us know. We, we want it to go to an organization or a family that's, that's in need. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, nitpick. It's got to meet this requirements, but we want it to go to something that, yeah. that but, makes sense. Um, again, hit us up for, for payment info. You don't have yeah. to be present. We'll nope. just write your name, number on the ticket, put it in the tumbler. Call you and ship it. Yep. We have and, to. And, and if you're around, uh, come out and shoot with us. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, I know we, we were trying to get a, as many vet teams as we can to go out there. Yeah. Um, what, what divisions are they going to be shooting? Um, bow hunter, bow hunter extreme, which is basically as fast as the bow is or whatever you want to put on it. And then open freestyle bare yep. bow and Olympic recurve. We're going there to kind go. of keep it simple. You know, nothing. Yeah, I'm going to have to put a rig together to yeah, there shoot, you go. shoot against Ross. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you, but, you're actually going to shoot? Hey, he's been practicing the last Dude, week. Two weeks. He's been Roger, like out here I grinding, man. Yeah. Roger's a ridiculous bare bow shooter. He is. He's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but and um, Ross Elliott needs some competition. Oh, yeah. So I'm actually putting a sight on the recurve now. So. There you go. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, man. That's Dude, be I've been putting in. You've been in else. here like yeah. when we're not busy. You'll be back there grinding. Well, yeah, he's, that Olympic he, bow. He, he's coming in an hour early too. I know. <laughs> hammering for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. got to do it in yeah. between uh, setting up both. Well, folks, we appreciate you listening. This is going to be a different podcast, obviously, if you're, if you're listening up and we hope that you, you know, are, are, are entertained by it. You got some good information. It, we just wanted to make this about our veteran community, our, our armed forces community and, um, and just make it about them this week and, and talk through how archery, has worked in your guys's lives, you know, maybe shared a little bit about how we handle the wartime effort, you know, as, as individuals and through your careers and what you guys have done. And we appreciate your service, of course. And, um, it's just awesome storytelling. I wanted it to be more storytelling and you guys were pretty liberal with your, uh, well, that, that might have to be another 
They're, yeah, Marco. I, I, so I'm just going to be honest with you. That might have to be another episode. I, well, and I talked to Marco about this before because Marco's seen some stuff, you know, and I was not comfortable maybe in this venue getting into the weeds, but maybe for a 2.0, because Jason, you talked about it, um, you know, and maybe you and I can talk offline about, you know, how comfortable and how much, and because you've got some pretty crazy stories. I mean, that would probably, you know, and I don't even know if you even talk about some of them because they're classified, who knows, but <laughs> it's like, listen, I'm, I'm not, there's, I'm not Sam Fisher over here. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that stuff gets misconstrued. Not everything in the military is classified. Well, okay. But some you. of the, some it of those, at the time to be honest, yeah. but some of the stuff you know, that we've done, I might want to remain yeah, classified. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of people. And that's what that I'm saying. Some guys are uncomfortable talking about that stuff. A hundred percent. Right. You know, and that's where you don't know where, how much you can push and how much you can talk about. But I know for the common person who's not out there, but is yet appreciative of that, those stories I think can hit home and honestly change their outlook on what they may or may not think about what happens overseas when you guys are out there in theater, you know, and, um, I know my son, especially he's, you know, it's one thing he talks about all the time. What's his MOS? Yeah, infantry. 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 He's, a, he's, he's a mortar. He's an artillery. 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 Guy, right? He's and a mortarman. And it, the sad thing is all his buddies have been deployed. And Jordan, for some reason, has always ended up as a platoon leader of the misfits. They're the bad news bears. And, and they're, always, they're always in trouble. Yeah, so they're, they, he's been marked undeployable, I don't know how many times in his career. And it frustrates him to no end. He gets really crazy about it. You know, and he of course is blaming on a lot of his COs. His COs are not, he, he's not a fan. <laughs> well, um, that, so that, that happens sometimes as a father, I'm appreciative because you, you know, have I, him here. I don't want to see him go over personally. I just don't part. I'm conflicted there. I mean, I, part of me wants to see him because it, I know how much it means to him to do his job. But, uh, for the most part, we, uh, you want to keep it's, it's safe. A tough, it's a tough conversation. Yeah, you want to keep it safe. Them. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Nobody wants to see their, no. their air outlive their kids. Yeah. It's not supposed to be that way. So right. yeah, it's, it's rough with the parents, man. I remember my, my trip to Iraq. I called my mom when I was actually in Iraq. Yeah. I said, Hey, by the way, here I am. Here I am. I didn't let you know because I don't want you to. I just wanted crazy. to rip the bandaid off. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I probably added 10 years to my parents' lives. <laughs> it's it's you rough. Especially. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's rough so. on them, but, but anyways, man, we appreciate you guys coming on and talking through some of your experiences and talking about archery. Um, like I said, different episode, but we hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to do this and, again uh, for 4th of July, probably do a, yeah. do a freedom fest. Heck yeah. And definitely going to do another one for veterans day. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff that needs to get addressed and we just want to put it out in the best way possible. Yeah. So Heck if yeah. you guys are in, in the area and you want to get into archery, you know, somebody that thinks, archery is impossible for them. We're living proof that we can make it possible. It Please for every send them, yeah. send them our way. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling. So I'm just going to put this out there. Please, if you need help, call the veterans crisis line. You know, we're going through Memorial day. We've lost so many people. We don't need to lose you yeah. stateside. We don't need to lose you to something that can be prevented. So please get some help. Call somebody. Yeah. Or help. Call hey, one of us, or or if or if you're if you're somebody who knows somebody, you know, just just call and just say hey, just, yeah, just talk to them. You don't you don't have to ask them if they're having any problems or just just talk to them, like you know, tell them know you're there. Yeah, you know, you don't got to go into the weeds about anything, but I think people just want to know that, you know, 
they're they're not you know feel a little normal. Yeah, exactly. Lack of better word. Exactly. Yep. I yep. hear you. Get out. Do some hunting. Do some shooting. Come see us. Get involved. Yeah. Go We're to your here for you. go to your local shop and get involved. Because I tell you, I've heard it more times than not from vets that are having, you know, a lot of them here upstairs with their mental issues said, man, archery saved my, saved my life. Yeah. You know, I've heard that numerous times from guys. Very recently. Yeah. Some of them very recently. Exactly. Yeah. I'd concur. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a great sport. It's a great community too. I mean, the archery community as a whole is a great community. There's just yeah. not a lot of jerks, not a lot of bad people. Bridger can probably tell you about a bunch of them. But. Oh, I thought you were about to call him a jerk. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, I, just me, yeah, just me. Yeah, in that way for years. Luckily, see, luckily, nerds are always nice for the most nerds part. So nice. that's why the archery <laughs> community is always pretty polite. Yeah, I, I love it because Bridger always talks about archery full of nerds. Yeah, <laughs> we're a bunch of nerds. I mean, we all met each other at the same time. Yeah. You, you met Roger. Probably didn't even remember him. Yeah, and then oh, I remember that day. Well, you yeah. remember him because you were helping me out at the yeah. very first use at. Yeah, you and I were at a Texas shootout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. small yeah. world. And I met. Jason through Roger mm-hmm. yeah. through the adaptive program and yeah. through Jeremy. Yet. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. Roger said, Hey, go to LEA. And here we are. And yeah. Then, yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Years yeah. later. And I mean, it, it's not just here. It's everywhere. Yeah. I know that there's tons of shops out there that want to get more people involved, get more people outside. Yeah. Just find the, shoot. find the right place, find the right community of people. And I, I tell you, it'll help you for sure. So you can't find it. Let us know. We'll find one for you. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And for those needing, adaptations or you have questions or how do you do this or that please call um if i don't know we'll find someone that knows we'll find somebody that knows we yeah. can find you need a mouth tab call roger yeah. no if you need anything adaptive archery call roger we just did one for a guy recently oh, that was so much that was amazing you yeah. know and didn't had, think he could shoot a bow and oh the one for sebastian oh yeah so we had a guy with a traumatic uh upper amp- amputation that you know it's not to say that an amputation wouldn't be traumatic, right. but depending, you know, when your arm gets torn off by an IED or whatever, it's, it's a little different. Yeah. Um, but he, this guy's amazing, man. He adapts everything to how he holds his cell phone, how he carries bags, everything. Oh, did he let, he deadlifts more than you and oh, I yeah. together. <laughs> and so, you know, for, for him to be able to draw his bow because, you know, he's got one good arm. Um, his prosthetic is his better arm. Yeah, but for him to draw the bow with his with the shoulder and push across his body, the look that and for me that's that's the pure beauty for me because I love that that moment first where, reaction. Oh yeah, because when they get back and they shoot, whether it's a kid, adult, whoever, and they shoot and the arrow hits the target, and their face goes like you know. Yeah. Ear to ear grin. Oh yeah. Dude, that's, that makes it all worth it. hundred percent. hundred percent. And, uh, so next week, I think we might be switching over to hunting next week. I think we're going to have a guest on big prolific elk hunter. Um, and then we, like we promised, we're going to get back to our technical side. You know, where Bridger gets to talk about his expertise FOC. on how to set a bow. Yeah. His FOC. Don't you like FOC? Not 98% FOC. <laughs> we got to, 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 we got to
We got to touch back on this whole yeah. people lying to the housing. Yeah, no, don't. Yeah, don't get started on that, please. <laughs> Scott just wants to talk about no, top hats on no, Matthew's boats. No, no, no. Yeah. So We're anyways, gonna, we will get back on the technical side for sure. But man, we hope you enjoyed this episode once again. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. Man, tell your friends, tag them, tell, us, tell them about us and, and get online and listen because we got some good content coming your way in the next in the coming months. So once again, thanks guys. We appreciate you. Cue music, Jason. Hey.